Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We are looking through the book of Revelation and we've gone quite a long way through and we're right up to chapter 17 of Revelation already. Now we've prepared an overview diagram for you to be able to see how Revelation fits together and you may be surprised at how simple it is. The first section there's three chapters talking about seven churches and then another two chapters giving you an introduction into the main body of the book. So that's chapters one to five is really an introduction and setting the context of local church and John's vision of heaven. And it's wonderful. The first five chapters are beautiful and we spent quite a long time on them. But then chapters six to uh, 19 are the bulk of the book. The, the last few chapters are just talking about the millennium, which is a thousand years where Christ reigns on earth and then heaven. So chapters 20, 21 and 22 are the end of the book. That's at the end of our diagram. But the middle section, chapters 6 to 19, talk about a period of time. Now, we've said it's a seven year period of time. Why do we say that? Because the book of Daniel, many years, 500 odd years before Jesus, Daniel had some prophecies. He was told to seal them up. And then in Revelation, John saw Jesus was able to open those seals. And Daniel saw that it was going to be a seven year period. We've done a diagram of this to show you how the seven years, Daniel had a 70 times seven vision and 483 years of that have already passed up to Jesus dying. Then there's an interlude. And then the last seven year period is this period of tribulation. And the second half of that, the second three and a half years are called the great tribulation. And that's what chapters six to 19 of Revelation are all about. And it gives you different perspectives of the seven years. So the first perspective is the seven seals that Jesus is opening that Daniel referred to when he sealed up the scroll with the end times information and Jesus opens those seals one by one. And we saw that that's very similar to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, talking about the end times. Those seven seals follow the same progress that Jesus discussed in Matthew 24. So that was the first view of the seven year period. Then there's seven trumpets. And we looked at that. That's uh, another view of it. The seven trumpets come out of the seventh seal. So they're, they're towards the end. However, the last two trumpets speak of Armageddon and a final judgment or the final end. And so it seems that the end of the seven trumpets ends about the same time as the seven seals. It's not 100% clear, but it seems that way. Then there's an interlude, Revelations 12 to 14, where we step back. And now we look at it from a different perspective, from a big cosmic perspective of the devil's role and Jesus's role. And then we look at the beast, this man, this political and religious leader who will arise in the earth in the seven year period and his helper or his false prophet. So that's chapters 12 to 14. We've seen the trumpets, we've seen the seals view, we've seen the trumpets view. Now we look from the beast's point of view. And then we saw the seven bowls, which are the final calamities just before the end of time. And it also ends very similarly. The sixth bowl talks about Armageddon again. And then the seventh one is a final 
earthquake where all the islands and mountains are destroyed and, and everything is just destroyed. It's, it's a calamity. Uh, and that's the very end. So we've seen seals, trumpets, the beast point of view, the seven bowls. And now the last point of view is chapter 17 to 19. Again, we're still in the seven year period, but now we're looking at it from Babylon's point of view. Now, the Bible talks in Revelation of Babylon as a city and a world power, political power, and a world religious system. And it ties it very much in with the beast and his false prophet and with Satan. And so we're going to see that we've looked from different perspectives, but now the perspective of the world power called Babylon or the city of Babylon. She's also called the great harlot or prostitute. And she's spoken of as being economically very influential in the world and, and trade and commerce and money and finance all revolve around this city or this world system. But she's also spoken of as being religious and deceiving and bringing worship and, and uh, persecuting God's true children. And so there's a religious element and very inter interweaved with the beast, this religious and political leader. So I'm just going to read this. And then when we finish this today, we've looked at that seven year period from all the different angles. And then next time we'll look at the millennium at the thousand years of peace and then heaven. And then we're done with Revelation. And you might say, wow, I didn't think it was that easy to understand. It's not easy to understand, but we can get a good grasp on it. So let's read from Revelation 17. Remember, we're looking at Babylon this world system, the city, this political power, this religious uh, power or system. Revelation 17 and verse 1, he says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. So he calls her, he, he, he uh, anthropomorphizes her as a, as a person, as a woman. Uh, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. That's always talking about being unfaithful to God. So it's talking about her religious aspect here and how people kind of followed her and worshipped the system. Verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Names of blasphemy, uh, a scarlet beast with seven heads and ten horns. This is talking about the beast uh, and the one that we've looked at previously in Revelation 13 and 14. This, this world leader who also has seven heads and ten horns. And the dragon, the devil in Revelation 12 also has seven heads and ten horns. So we can see they're all interlinked. Verse 4. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. So there's a religious aspect, but it's evil. On her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. So she has been very instrumental in the killing of Christians. Remember, in this last seven year period, there is huge 
death among Christians. The martyrs are enormous, the number of them. Uh, we saw that in the fifth seal. Right. Verse 6. I saw the woman drunk. Verse 7. Then, But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. So the beast, she rides on the beast, but the beast is also being controlled a bit by her. You know, when something rides on something else, there's a, an interlocking relationship where the one relies on the other. And so Babylon and the beast are very closely linked. Verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So the beast, this world leader, this human being, uh, was and is not and will ascend. Um, the, there's this thing about him dying and coming back to life. It's mentioned earlier in Revelation, and here it refers to it again. He was and is not and will ascend uh, out of the bottomless pit. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. He comes back to life. This is at the three and a half year mark uh, of the seven year period. It's spoken of in several places. A lot happens at that halfway mark, that three and a half year mark. He sets himself up in the temple to be worshipped. Uh, he, he, his false prophet tells people to worship him. A lot of things happen. Um, just as an aside, Jesus mentions this in Matthew 24. He says, don't worry, don't fear, don't let your hearts be troubled if people say the end has come. Because it's only when you see this beast setting himself as the abomination that causes desolation in the temple to be worshipped. And in Thessalonians, Paul says exactly the same thing in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. He says, don't fear. You're not supposed to be worried. Jesus comes as a thief in the night to the non-believers, but to us, we're not fearful of this. We know he's coming. We're ready for him. And it won't happen until the man of lawlessness comes and sets himself up to be worshipped. So he says, don't stress about all these things. I'm telling you this in advance so that you won't be fearful. Wonderful. Uh, verse 9. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. These are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. So he's trying to give context. Now for us to predict what those seven heads or the, the seven mountains or the, the seven kingdoms and, and the different political powers, it would be difficult for us to know. I was reading some commentaries written about this in the 1800s, 1860, and they were saying very similar things to what we're saying now. We know roughly that they're kings and kingdoms and leaders and, and country powers, but we don't know exactly who they are. But when it happens, it'll become clear. Oh, look, there's the seven, the seven kingdoms. Uh, verse 12, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. So there's ten national leaders that the beast promotes to authority and they give him power. And it seems interlinked with this Babylon world city economic religious power. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. So there's, there's a fight between the world powers 
and Jesus and his purposes and his people. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. We've got two powers here, the devil and God, the devil's beast and his system, Babylon and the false prophet. And we've got God and his champion, Jesus, and his city is Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, and his people are the chosen and faithful ones. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw, verse 15, where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So the whole world is influenced by this world system, Babylon and the beast. Verse 16, and the 10 horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So at some stage in the seven years, the 10 leaders that have benefited from Babylon's system and have helped promote her, turn against her and the beast turns against her as well. And so at the three and a half year mark, Babylon, this world system is overthrown and the beast then sets himself up as the religious leader and in the temple to be worshipped. So they, they turn against this Babylon system. Uh, verse 17, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. God is in control. He, just as he allowed Pharaoh to harden his heart against the Israelites, God allows these kings and kingdoms. The Bible says that um, God, the heart of a king is in, in the hand of the Lord, just like he changes a watercourse. So God is in control and he knows what's going on. Verse 18, and the woman you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, I don't know which that great city is. Could be Jerusalem, could be Rome, it could be London, it could be New York, it could be another one that we don't know. Uh, Moscow, Shanghai, who knows? But there is a city involved and, and its influence affects the whole world. It's interesting that in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4, we're told that the, the beast gets jealous of any worship of anything or anyone other than himself. And so at the three and a half year mark, he takes all the worship and he overthrows Babylon because people are worshiping this religious system. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4 says, The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. He wants worship. And that's at the halfway mark. Right. Revelation 18. We now see Babylon from a slightly different perspective from her economic power. Uh, remember, it's in the seven year period. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily, mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. She is an economic power. Um, she controls the trade. We're going to see that it talks about the trade in a moment. And she makes people rich, but she falls down because the beast wants to control the money. Do you remember he institutes a mark by which no one can buy or sell without his mark? That's after he's overthrown the Babylon system. He takes control of the world financial system, probably at the three and a half year mark. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. 
Friends, we've got to be careful we don't become too intertwined with the world's economic and financial system and all the pleasures that that produces. Do you remember that in the parable of the sower, Jesus said that the third soil where there's weeds growing up, it's because we love the pleasures of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, we're told in the Bible several times that we must not love the world, for if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We must be careful that we don't become too closely linked. If Babylon and the world economic financial system collapses, will you be sad or will you be okay to carry on with the Lord? Come out of her, my people, he says. Verse 5, for her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Rem render to her just as she re rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she, mi she has mixed, mixed double for her. Remember, she was the one who oversaw the killing of millions of Christians. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, I am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. And now we're just going to see the last section here. Verse 9, the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they seek the, see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas! that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, incense, fragrant oil, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. She also deals in the selling of people, people trafficking. Verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone for, from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. And then he talks about all the shipping uh, of the world and all the, the transport links are linked through her as well. And how they cry for in one hour she's made desolate. And then in verse 20, it says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore, and the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of a bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. So we're seeing this picture to warn us not to become too involved with the world, but also so that when it happens, we will know it's happening and we don't need to fear beforehand. Friends, these 
judgments and calamities are so huge that we would know if they had happened. But we keep it in mind and we look forward to know when the day comes. And then we see the end, uh, Revelation 19. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they say, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both great and small. So we see there's praise when Babylon is overthrown and we are worshiping. And now we're going to go into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this may surprise you. You may think the marriage supper of the Lamb happens right at the end. But I want to show you that we are right at the end, just before the thousand years of peace. And in verse 6 it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So this is when we are raptured. The Christians are taken up. Thessalonians says we will meet him in the air. 1 Corinthians 15 says we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye with new bodies. We will meet him in the air. We will have the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we are judged for rewards. Jesus judges us to give us rewards and we rejoice together with him. This happens towards the end of the seven years, but remember that we are going to be taken up and judged and forgiven and given new eternal bodies. And yet there's still a thousand years to be lived on the earth. Verse eight, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We have, we are caught up to heaven. We have our rewards judgment. Uh, before anyone else has their judgment and we are given our new bodies and white linen and then we come back to earth with Jesus to fight the battle of Armageddon. Verse 11, Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. This is Jesus. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's us. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice uh, to all the birds, come and eat of the flesh and all the enemies are destroyed that are fighting in Armageddon. Do you remember in the uh, seals and in the trumpets, 
sorry, in the trumpets and in the bowls, we saw this huge army, 200 million Euphrates drying up. They come to Armageddon to fight. And again, it's, it's mentioned in the bowls, this huge fight. And here it's mentioned the huge fight. And Jesus, just with the word of his mouth, destroys them all. Um, and it says that the beast and his false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Um, and that is the end, because then in chapter 20, we go into the millennium and, and the end of the world has happened. Now, this is interesting, friends. This is going to happen in a short period of time. In seven years and the last three and a half years are going to be very short. All of these calamities and world changes. We're going to see Babylon, a world power arise and control the whole world economically and religiously. The beast is going to be very interlinked. There's going to be other kings and kingdoms involved. Halfway through the seven years, they turn against Babylon. The beast says, I'm the one who needs to be worshipped. Sets himself up in the temple. He institutes the mark of the beast so no one could buy or sell without his mark. And thousands, if not millions of Christians are martyred and killed. And then right towards the end, we're taken up with Jesus. We are judged and given rewards, given a new body. We come back down and he destroys all those who have gathered against him. And he institutes his reign of peace and joy. And it says in the Bible that it's like the Garden of Eden is restored. It says that people live long, long, long lives. Even non-believers live long lives, just as it was in the early days of the Bible, where they lived 600, 700 years. The same thing happens again. The lion will lie down with the lamb. A child will play with wild animals and with snakes. And little children will lead the animals, the lions and the leopards around and play with them. It's going to be a glorious time. But it happens in a short space of time. Why did God give us all this information? So that our hearts would not be troubled. Don't be worried. Don't be concerned, he says. Don't think the end has come because someone says the mark of the beast has happened or this has happened. You will know these calamities are so dramatic and he describes them in so much detail that we will know. What do we do? We make ourselves ready. We say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me. I want to walk with you and serve you all the days of my life. I want to be one of the 10 virgins who has my lamp fill, filled with oil so that I'm not surprised when you come and I'm ready for your coming and I will rejoice when you come. When you overthrow the Babylon world luxury system, I will say hallelujah and rejoice because I know that the marriage of the lamb is very, very close. Lord Jesus, please, would you make us ready? Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.